Many years ago when I was a school teacher, I lived for any change in the daily schedule. Anything to break up the monotony of those bells ringing the same time every day. And it didn't matter to me how insignificant the change was. It could be one hour early dismissal for teachers meeting. Fine with me. Fire drill. Loved them. Program in the auditorium. Pep rally. Early dismissal because the snow was coming down so hard. Didn't matter. Anything to change the schedule. But. Some of my colleagues did not have the same view of change that I had. That strict structure uh, of the bells, was it was security to them. And so when the schedule would change, they would get so upset and so worked up that you kind of wished you had a tranquilizer dart to, to shoot them and lock them into the teacher's lounge until they calmed down just a little bit. Now, the memory of that makes me aware that some of you are really excited about this time change for the month of January. Others of you feel like you might need sedation. The big question is, why? Why are we doing this? Why are we making this change? Because believe me, it would have been a lot easier to leave things just the way they were. It would have required a lot less work for the staff. But we did it. Because change always seems to get people's attention. On some level, any change makes us feel just a little bit more vulnerable. And when we feel vulnerable, our senses are heightened just a little bit so that we see differently and we hear differently and we feel differently. Change introduces something outside of our routine that we can normally handle on autopilot and it makes us learn how to navigate in a different way. Now, I know that I'm making this change sound like some cataclysmic event. In reality, we've only moved the worship service by one hour, but it is our hope that even this little change would get our collective attention for these next four Sundays in January as we talk about the vision that the Lord has for our church and as we follow up with discussion next door in the fellowship hall. We hope that it makes us all feel a little more vulnerable. And we hope that the change uh, heightens our senses just a, a little bit more about what the Lord is doing in our lives and in the life of our church. That's our hope that we have to navigate a little differently in ways that aren't as familiar. We believe that having 2020 clarity for our 2020 vision for Redeemer is just that important. The vision that we have really has been in place since we planted the church 20 years ago with a a tweak here and and a tweak there. But nevertheless, it needs to be constantly put before us as a congregation, constantly made clear so that we can all get on board with it, so that we can all be excited about it. So that we all can be convinced that it comes straight from the pages of Scripture. So that we can be compelled to do ministry because of it. Moving together in the same direction. You know, that rowing trip down the stream wouldn't have been merrily, 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 merrily. Life is but a dream. If the person in the front of the boat were paddling forward. And the person in the back of the boat were paddling backward. And one 
person in the middle were pushing away from the boat and another person in the middle were, were, were pulling out from the boat. It wouldn't have been a dream. It would have been more like a nightmare. We don't want a nightmare here. We're all in the same boat. and We want to be paddling in the same direction, working toward a common goal. So, having said that, the first part of the vision we're going to talk about this morning is becoming. What it means to become. Because all of us need to be before we can do. We can't skip over becoming and then believe that we'll do doing very well. So this morning we're going to talk about becoming. We envision and we believe that we must be a church that encourages and celebrates the process of becoming. So toward that end, if you have your Bibles with you, would you take them please and turn to the Gospel of John the 17th chapter, John chapter 17, and when you've found your place, I want to ask you to stand so that we can hear, read together the word of the living God. John chapter 17. Verses 20 through 23, this is the word of the Lord, and Jesus is praying. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one, I in them, and you in me that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Let's pray together. Father, we do ask now that you would be faithful to your promise, as you always are, to bless the reading and the hearing of your word. We need your blessing now, Lord, on your word, hearing it, understanding it. We pray, Lord, that your truth would come out of your word this morning that it would be remembered and embraced, everything else would be forgotten. Lord, we do seek you in this process of becoming in our lives and pray that you would bless that as well for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Look again, if you will, in verse 23. Jesus says there, I in them and you in me, that they may become. This is the word we want to talk about this morning, this word become. And as it's used here, the word means to change from one state or condition to another. To, to change from one state or from one condition to another. And so this word become is a process word. It's a word of movement. And Jesus uses the present active tense of that word. And the only reason that is important is that Jesus is purposely indicating that this process is ongoing. Becoming is present right now. Becoming is active right now. Becoming isn't static or fixed. And this process of becoming is so important to Jesus that he makes it a matter of prayer. That's what he's doing here. He's praying. This is part of what we call the high priestly prayer of Jesus. 
He's in the upper room. He's with the disciples. It's the last night of his life. In a few hours, he's going to be arrested. The next day, he's going to die on the cross. As Jesus prays his prayer then, he's praying with the full knowledge that change is coming for the disciples. And change is coming for them quickly in just a matter of hours. And that change process for the disciples is going to begin with fear. Literally, run for your life fear. Because that's exactly what they did. When that legion of Roman soldiers arrested Jesus, they literally ran for their lives. That change process is going to continue with denying you ever knew Jesus, which is the very thing Peter did three times in the courtyard while Jesus was being tried inside. But then that change process, it's going to take a different direction because as Peter learns to navigate his greatly changed world with his senses greatly heightened, he's going to reaffirm his love for the Lord three times. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And that change process is going to become greater boldness and greater courage as all the apostles preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when they are arrested and beaten for preaching the good news about Jesus, that change process is going to look like the 11 disciples not fleeing this time, but instead rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer for Christ. But that change process, that becoming process, it is a process, and it isn't always forward. Sometimes it attempts to revert, to go back to the old state, the state with its familiar patterns of fear. Once the great apostle Peter, the great apostle Paul, had to confront the great apostle Peter to his face, Because Peter's conduct, as Paul said, was not in step with the truth of the gospel. Fears about what other people thought caused Peter to slip back into old ways, old thinking, before Jesus' ways, before Jesus' thinking. Ways that suggested that you had to earn favor with God. And that makes the gospel not good news. That turns the easy yoke of Christ into a heavy burden, and yet that's where Peter went, back to that place. But once again, Peter returns to Jesus, and in the end, Peter and all the other apostles, with the exception of John, were uh, died martyrs' deaths for the sake of Christ. And so when we trace through the examples of the lives of these apostles, those that we probably consider the best of the best, we see that becoming is a process. It happens over time. And in some moments, that process has shining moments of success, and sometimes that process has fantastic moments of failure. And we can trace our own lives and their lives. We see our own fears. We see our own advances but we also see our own regressions. And I think that's why Jesus prays, as he does here in the upper room, that his disciples may become 
that they would be in a process of change. And by they, Jesus means you and me. It's so cool that he addresses us directly in this prayer. Look in verse 20. Jesus says, I do not ask for these only, but for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. Jesus is looking past the disciples on this night, and he's looking through time, and he's seeing us because we're the ones who have believed through the words of these apostles. And so Jesus is praying right now for us that you and I will be in this process of becoming. Let me give you a couple of verses that I hope will motivate all of us to be excited about this process of becoming. 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. That's good news about that process, isn't it? It's going to end up in us being like Jesus. And that's a good thing for us. Do you agree? It's a good thing for our world, for us. To be like Jesus. 2 Corinthians 3.18 And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We are being transformed degree by degree into the likeness of Christ. 2 Peter, 3, 2 Peter 1, verses 3 and 4. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Please imagine, this process means that you and I become partakers of the divine nature. Is that good news? Why do you think the Holy Spirit of God inspired these words to be written? It's to encourage us, to encourage you, to encourage me about what will be, to get us in the process, to get us excited about the process, to get us celebrating the advances that we make in this process of becoming. What will I be? I don't know, but it's going to be a lot like Jesus. Now listen, if that's not what you want, if these possibilities of this process don't excite you, then it's a good time for you to evaluate your relationship with Jesus. If it isn't important to you to be in the process of becoming just what Jesus was and, and doing what Jesus did, then right now is a good time to be honest with yourself and ask, why not? Why does this not excite me? Why does this not interest me? Lord, why am I not interested in becoming? And I believe that the Lord will answer that question. I think He'll reveal to you things that need to change in your relationship with Him. But if it is important to you, if you are excited about this becoming process, then it's equally important for you to remember 
that it is just that. It's a process. And a process means unfinished. And we've got to be okay with that. I think you and I are more like arrivers. You know, we just want to get there. We just want to be done. And it starts when we're in the children, when we're children, and we call out from the back seat of the station wagon. Now you know how old I am. <laughs> Are we there yet? Are we there yet? You know, children rarely enjoy the trip. They just want it to be over with. Same thing. They run into the kitchen repeatedly when they know cookies are baking. Are they done yet? Are they done yet? They're not the least bit interested in the baking process. They want the finished product. And it seems like we don't grow out of that. Even when we come to adulthood, it continues. We want the finished product now. Wrapped up with a neat and tidy bow. It seems like we have difficulty in being in the process. We don't like to be people in process. Sometimes we don't like a church that's in process. We want the finished product. Programs to fix us, to finish us. Programmed, structured, organized, efficient. And often we want Jesus to fit into our structure. The church itself is a structure ordained by God. But the structure is not an end in itself. It's merely to, to serve this purpose of the process that Jesus has for us. Jesus has becoming for us. And so you and I often miss the fact that the time in the car is the point. Not something to be skipped, not something to be dismissed as unimportant, because it is the trip. It is the process that keeps us with Jesus. He is in the car. He is in the kitchen. We want the end of the trip. We want the Jesus who will meet us at the end of the trip. But without the journey, but without the becoming process, when we see Jesus... He will only be like an unfamiliar acquaintance if we have not embraced this journey with him. Embrace the process. Look in verse 23. I in them and you in me. That's the point. The presence of Christ with us. You and I are going to become through our union with Christ. I in them, Jesus says. We think having a neat and tidy plan or program, oh, that's what will make things right and good. That's what will fix things. If Jesus shows up, okay, but we're sort of self-sustaining. We've arrived. We have the program, the structure. Jesus says, nope, process. Me and you. That's what you need as you become. You want a program? Something finished? Something to lessen? Those heightened senses? Something to bring stability? I want you to look at me. And I know that's unsettling for people who are arrivers. But in this life, we're never done. The trip isn't over until, of course, it is over. And until then, we're always in process. 
But the exciting reality is that Jesus is always with us. Is that good news? You know, half-baked gets a bad rap. Well, that is a a lame, half-baked idea. But you know what? That's what we are. You and I are half-baked. I'll read again what I read to the children this morning from Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. The Apostle Paul writes, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. See? Half-baked, right? In process with Jesus. And our becoming is all about Jesus, the one who on the cross said, it is finished. Our process is all about Jesus, what he has done, what he is doing right now as he sits at the right hand of God the Father praying for us and what he will do. Our process, it's all about Jesus. That's our becoming. We'll be complete when Jesus comes. Until then, we're going to be in process with Jesus. So we need to embrace that for ourselves. We need to embrace it for others too because everyone is in process. And remember this. Jesus became so that you and I might become. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For our sakes, God made Jesus to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. See, Jesus changed states. Jesus changed conditions. He went from sinless perfection to taking on the sins of the world, to taking on your sin and my sin so that we might become, so that we might change states or conditions, so that we might go from being an enemy of God to a friend of God, so that we might move from being unrighteous to being righteous before God. Jesus became so that you and I might become. So don't discount the importance of the process of becoming and what Jesus did for you and for me, that we might embrace this becoming and encourage it and celebrate it. This word, becoming, is so vital to our mission and our vision that we are going to change the tagline that we have had as a church for 20 years. Look at the front of your bulletin. And under the name Redeemer Presbyterian Church, You'll see our tagline, which says, Experiencing Community in Christ. Now, that was our tagline in 1999 when we called ourselves Island Community Church, and we met in the Terrace Theater on James Island. When we moved down here in December of 2006 into this building, we kept this tagline, Experiencing Community in Christ. But we have come to believe that that doesn't reflect our vision clearly. So we're going to be changing just one word. We are are, are, are changing experiencing to becoming. Experiencing is going to become becoming. Now, we're not going to make that change until we have used up all of these bulletin shells. Because we're also Presbyterian. Did I ever tell you how the copper wire was invented? Two Presbyterians were fighting over a penny. 
So yeah, we're going to keep these bulletin shells until they're all finished. But after that, you're going to see a change. Experiencing is going to change to becoming. And we're making that change because we feel like experiencing could possibly connote passivity. In other words, you come to Redeemer Presbyterian Church and we will provide something for you to experience. In a sense, it could sound something like just sit back and enjoy the show. Enjoy the experience that we create for you and the implications for that aren't good. It could turn you into a passive receiver instead of an active participant. It could also turn you into a judge. Because if you judge or you deem the experience isn't good enough for you, then you just go find a better experience somewhere else. No, we are all in the same boat together. And no one gets to be passive. No one gets to avoid the process. Jesus never intended that we be passive recipients. There's a statistic I've heard all my life. And it seems to hold true, and you, you still hear it said all the time, and the statistic is this, that 10% of the people in church do 90% of the work. Have you ever heard that before? 10% of the people do 90% of the work. And I think that's because somehow the church indicates to 90% of the people that it's okay. Just sit back and enjoy. Receive, receive, receive. We have indicated that that is all right. But let's apply that statistic to another group. Let's apply that statistic to the 12 tribes of Israel. After they had crossed the Jordan River and their goal is to take possession of the promised land. Now, if our statistic holds true, that means that one of the 12 tribes and 20% of a second tribe would have had to do all the fighting. That means that 10 tribes and 80% of an 11th tribe would have gotten a cup of coffee from the bar, set up chairs on the nearest hill and watched the battle scenes that were not CGI but were real. Let's take another group, the 12 apostles. Let's apply our statistic. After Jesus died, our statistic means that only one of those apostles went about the business of preaching the good news of Jesus Christ, spreading the gospel, planting the churches. And he was joined by one other of the apostles who gave 20% of his time to that task. Everybody else enjoyed the show. Now, do we believe that's God's way? Do we believe that's God's way? No, we don't. We're all in this together. So right now, just to be clear, we need to know that at Redeemer, our vision is to encourage and to celebrate the process of becoming. And so that means if you come to us, the elders, staff, and ask about this program or that program, or what we offer to help with this pro problem or with that problem, we are for, first going to ask you, how are you doing on your journey with Jesus? Where are you in the process of becoming? We might say, have you gone to Jesus about this? 
You might say no. Oh, you haven't? Then we might ask, do you know how to go to Jesus with this? Do you know how to be in process with Jesus? If not, let's talk about it. It's a good thing and it's an exciting process to be in. And we have to do that. We have to do that. Do you know why we have to do that? Because we cannot allow you to be less than the Lord wants you to be. And what the Lord wants for all of us is to be in process with Him. As Jesus says, I and them, Father, and you and me. If we do not point you to the process of becoming, then we fail you. If we offer you programs to quote-unquote fix it, we fail you. Because the process is what the Lord wants for all of us. And we must all be what the Lord wants us to be. And so together, you and I, in 2020, need to be in the process of becoming with Jesus. And we need to be singing all along the journey, yet not I, but through Christ in me. Let's pray together. Father, we do ask that you would help us to embrace not our vision, but your vision. And your vision is for your people becoming, becoming other than we were, becoming what you have enabled us to be. So important to you, Lord, that you pray for it, for us. You pray for the process throughout your word over and over. And scriptures that I haven't mentioned this morning, you talk about the process. Lord, you tell us in your word that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, it's being in process with you, you doing the work in us. We won't be a finished product on this side of heaven. And so, Lord, I pray that you would excite us about journeying with you, about being with you every day. Lord, that we, we would be eager to embrace each day of the trip and not wish it were over, not long for some end, but, Lord, long for what it means to be in it with you together and process every day of becoming more and more who you want us to be, becoming more and more like you. That's the promise, Lord, of your word from one degree of glory to the next. Day by day, more and more, we're in the process of becoming more like you. Help us to embrace and engage and celebrate that process, Lord. When we look around and see others around us becoming and becoming more and more like Christ, Let us celebrate, say hallelujah, thank you, Lord, thank you for what you're doing in us, thank you for what you're doing in our church as we become. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.